Welcome into the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast. Chuck Zada and Mark Schofield here on Tuesday, January 19th. We're breaking down the NFC divisional round games here and going to start off focusing on the Green Bay Packers and the Arizona Cardinals. A heartbreaking loss, I think, for a lot of Packers fans. Cardinals fans obviously thrilled with the overtime win there. And so without any further ado, I'm going to welcome in my co-host Mark Schofield and Mark this was uh, this this might have been the most entertaining game of the weekend. I think. I think it was. I mean, should we start with the coin flip gate, or or where are we going to start here? Let's start with the coin because I. Okay. I, when's I've the, never. I've when's never the last seen time that. you saw this much emphasis on a coin flip? It's got to be. What was the game where uh, where the uh, heads and tails got mixed up in overtime in the playoffs? That was, the thanks- was it playoffs? Was it playoffs or was it Thanksgiving? That was Thanksgiving. It was Bettis against Detroit. That's right. That's yeah. right. So this, I mean, you talk about that coin flip, and apparently the NFL, uh, you know, rules officials have come out and said that the the right thing was actually done. Yeah, and, and that's fine. It was just I'd never seen that. I mean, it, it, I the ref just started saying it didn't flip, it didn't flip, and I the coin didn't flip. What? But okay, I guess there's they have a precaution. They have something in place for that. If which I guess you learn something every game. I mean, they have a contingency plan for the fact that the coin didn't flip. It's like NASA. They've got backups. They've got backup for plans the for their backup plans. Yeah, exactly. And then, Harry Stamper would be proud. He would be. Let's. I guess let's start leading into that because you have a uh, Green Bay Packers team that pretty much had to resort to not one Hail Mary, but really you're talking about two Hail Mary passes essentially just to get that last touchdown drive completed there i mean it wasn't two hail marys but you're talking about you know really two long plays that made up the bulk of that drive yeah and just two almost absurd throws from aaron Rodgers and a guy that will go into the hall of fame based upon you know obviously an impressive career but an impressive career with some really incredible throws and you know that hail mary that he threw first of all credit to arizona on that play I mean, it gets lost because the play goes for a touchdown, but let's not forget that they blitzed on that. Most teams, you're facing the Hail Mary situation. You rush one, you rush two, maybe three guys. They said, no, we're going to blitz. We're not going to let him try to, you know, step into and run into another, like, incredible throw. So they blitzed. Rodgers somehow escapes from it, rolls backside away from the three receivers and towards Janice, the like one receiver on the other side of the field. Yep. And then like, like it was almost a shot put. I mean, you want to talk about the word torque. I mean, he was running away. He like contorts his body back and through. It was amazing. It was, it was almost uh, not, maybe not a shot put. It was almost like a discus. It was like almost an underhand looping torquey throw that somehow ends up, Carrying what would that end up carrying? It was 40, 41 yards, forty two yards, I think. But I in, mean, in, in the air, it's like fifty yards fading away. Yeah, probably even more than that. I mean, I'm trying to see exactly. I mean, it was a forty one yard touchdown pass, but he caught it probably five yards deep in the end zone. So then that's forty six. You figure he's maybe seven yards deep, so it's like fifty five or so rolling away from it with somebody bearing down on you. Sure, that's human. No, it's not. It's really not. (laughs) That's one of those moments when you're like, you know, you sit there. It's like, you know, sometimes when I'll write a column and I'll read like Matt Waldman, who's somebody's, you know, really good at what they do. And I'm like, I wish I could have written that. Seeing that, it's like, wow, I can't even do that in Madden. Like, that's just absurd. 
and, and, and you talk about the ability to do that and, and just that pure raw arm strength. And we, there's a lot of guys who, when they have their feet under them, they can throw the ball 60 yards. There's not a ton of guys in the league that can make that throw. No, I, I we didn't we, t- we talked about this for a couple of minutes, like after that throw was made uh, inside the pond when we were talking about it. And Randall Cunningham was a name that got thrown out. Um, Guys were just drawing blanks, I think, because they were just so dumbfounded and stupefied at what they had just seen. And then to top it off, you know, everyone, you know, I I was talking to a couple of my buddies who were Packers fans and, you know, they're going nuts in Wisconsin and having an absolute blast. And then you come back with this three play touchdown drive from Arizona, starting with what what had to have been just a a horrendously blown coverage to leave Larry Fitzgerald wide open in the left flats. I I don't I we got to talk about that, but I want to. Just raise it for one second. It's not, Do you go for two there if you're Green Bay? Do you consider it? I mean, you've just scored an incredible Ooh. touchdown. Arizona's dumbfounded. Like Sitting on my couch, I do, but yeah. I don't have to make that decision in front of millions of people. It's it's easy for me to say that I would because I do that in Madden all the time. I'm, right. I'm the only kicker that never actually uses himself in Madden. Like <laughs> but you do create yourself every I ma- time, I right? make myself and then stick myself on the bench. It's, it's, I have problems, obviously. We all do, man. But do. It's, it's an interesting thought. It's, I, I can't say no, and I, you, know, you almost wonder. I can tell you that Bruce Arians on the other side, had he been in that situation, probably, probably goes would. for two. Yeah. Probably goes for two. So they don't, and then like you said, Arizona, we have coin flip gate. Arizona gets the ball, and three plays later, it's over. With and with, with a shovel pass yeah, to Larry a shovel Fitzgerald. Pass to Larry Fitzgerald, which you know Larry Fitzgerald and Carson Palmer, they've got you know this incredible sort of like career rebirth down there in the desert. I don't know what Bruce Arians is putting the water, man, but those guys are playing great football right now. How do you lose track of Larry Fitzgerald at this point? Well, and, and what's interesting here is I think the story for me starts way back at the beginning of this game actually because Green Bay confused Carson Palmer and this Arizona offense for a lot of this game actually you know you can you look at it and you say okay this is one of those cases we've talked about box scores being deceptive and you look at it and you say okay Palmer had 350 yards and three TDs and Fitzgerald had 176 yards receiving you say okay they just went off but it was it was a challenge for them throughout this game they were they were not easy yards to come by yeah, no, they weren't. And a lot, how much how much of that yardage came either in the second half or Fitzgerald? A lot of it came on that last drive. Yeah, eighty yards. Yeah. yeah. So you know they were, you know, Green Bay was doing some things defensively that you know clearly slowed down that offense, and you know they were in position to win that game, and it just it just didn't come together for them. Obviously, you know the the two miracle plays to even force overtime, but you know when their defense needed one more stop, they just they just couldn't get it. Yeah, and and I think for. For Arizona here, the other thing that I found is that even though it was difficult for them to pick up yardage against Green Bay, the sheer wealth of options they have at their Amazing. disposal, it's just, you know, you go down the list and you say, okay, Larry Fitzgerald's covered, who do I go to? All right, I go to Michael Floyd. Michael Floyd's covered, who do I go to? Okay, I go to John Brown. John Brown's covered. I got David Johnson coming out of the backfield. It's, it's just a wealth of options for them. Yeah, I mean, you look at Fitzgerald had eight catches, but Brown had five catches. John David Johnson, six catches. Michael Floyd, Darren Fells, J.J. Nelson. I mean, these are guys that, you know, a lot of teams would have these guys as number two, number three receivers, and J.J. Nelson's like the fourth or fifth option for them. 
Well, and, and then you talk about, you know, you've got a guy in Andre Ellington who, when he came into the league a couple of years ago, everyone's sitting there saying, okay, this is a guy who's going to be pretty dangerous. And Ellington's not even getting, you know, a lot of burn at this point. And this no, is a guy I mean, who, you know, back in 2013, I think was averaging, you know, five, six yards a carry his first year in the league. Yeah, three carries for three yards, and then he had, was targeted with one pass. That was his night. Yeah, so it's, you know, it's, for anyone facing them, it's going to be a challenge. The thing is, the team that is facing them, I got to say, the, the defense that I saw from the Carolina Panthers, <sighs> well, it's in something, the first it's half something, of that game. Well, no, even, I'll say, they, they sat back and prevent, you know, they, they were playing off, I think, a little bit. They, they got aggressive at a couple points there in the second half. But just the sheer athletes that they have on that team, and, and everyone's yeah. going to point to, and I'm going to point to it, the Luke Keekley breakup down by yep. the left sideline where yep. he goes 20 yards and runs not step for step with a wide receiver. He outruns a wide receiver to the spot and breaks up the ball. This team, that defense, when they, when they are clicking on all cylinders – it's it's far and away, I think, the best in the league this year. Yeah, and not too many guys in the league, linebackers, can make that kind of play. But Kikri does stuff like that almost every week. And, you know, you want to talk about a, a running game. I mean, they really shut down. I mean, Russell Wilson, three carries, 32 yards. That was their leading rusher. Yep. Com- and, completely shut down a Seattle run game that I think – and I think it caught Seattle a little bit by surprise here. I think so, too. I think – but credit to Seattle, at least, they abandoned it pretty quickly. Yeah, they, they they said, look, this is just not going to happen. You end up with Russell Wilson with 48 throws. Part of that happens because you're playing from behind all day. You know, you're down. What was it? 31 nothing before you even had a chance to blink. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like you said, you know, credit to Seattle and that coaching staff for just giving up the run game and just putting it in Russell Wilson's hands. And, you know, he threw for 336 and three TDs, but two interceptions. Um, you know, another thing that kind of stands out when you're thinking about this game, is how Carolina was able to move the ball both through the air but also on the ground. I mean, Stewart had 106 yards on the ground, averaging 5.6 yards a carry. These are kind of things you don't really expect that Seattle defense to give up, but Carolina was able to execute a great running game, great game plan on the offensive side of the football, especially to get out to that big lead. Yeah, and, and you talk about Stewart, and right from the first play was that 59-yard run that I think just set the tone right off the bat saying, look, your defense likes to stop the run. We're going to run it right at the strength of your defense. It was, I believe, right off either the left guard or the left tackle. Yep. And they went right at that Seattle defense and said, look, we're going to challenge you on this. And I think the second that happened, it, it opened up just a little bit of doubt, just a little bit of doubt there in that Seattle defense because you could tell they were on their heels that entire first half then. Right. It, it, I mean, it took them 30 minutes. Once they settled in, Look, they, they, they stepped up to the challenge in the second half big time, shutting out that Panthers team, but it took them 30 minutes, and that's the problem is they just dug so big of a hole for themselves, they couldn't get out of it there. Yeah, and, and that's really tough to recover from. I mean, you look at the start that this game had. I mean, Carolina, four plays and a touchdown, four running plays. I mean, they just ran the ball right down their throats, and then you got Marshawn Lynch on his first carry, stuffed a three-yard loss, and then a pick six. I mean, you go down 14 nothing on the road, that's a big hole. And then to just add more points on top of that, I mean, the fact that it came down to an onside kick, all the credit in the world to Seattle and Pete Carroll and that staff for oh, keeping yeah. those guys. I mean, a lot of teams would have just like folded up the tent and said, all right, guys, it's just not going to be our day. Most guys would have already been like, you know, in their heads, you know, making plans for where they're going to spend the next week or so, what beach they were going to. But 
not these guys. And that's that's a sign of a team that, you know, they've gone to two straight Super Bowls. You know, they were so close last year, one yard away from winning the Super Bowl. Obviously, you want to get back to that. And, you know, again, all the credit in the world to them. It, it has to be because you look around the landscape of the NFL and there's not that many teams that are able to, after taking a beating like they did in the first half, mentally get themselves back together and say, we're going to do this in the second half. And, you know, Richard Sherman always uses the term dog to say, you know, it's, it's, you know we've got a lot of dog in us. We've got a right. lot of it, it, to be able to fight it and to, to deal with that. And I'll tell you, look, that Seattle team showed it. And I'll tell you, that onside kick, okay, that onside kick, hell of a kick and an even better recovery there. Uh, by Davis from Carolina because you talk about that and that's a kick that had a ton of height it was perfectly yep. placed and Davis is getting his legs taken out from under him as he he's receiving that. that he just yeah. gets he's, he's up in the air and he just gets his legs taken out from under him holds on to that ball there I mean that is it, you talk about what this game came down to and at least for me I've, I've kind of developed in, in the last couple of years an appreciation just for seeing, you know, just for seeing the battles. And in particular, you know, it came down to that last play and you say, look, that is a that is an onside kick that by both teams is executed just about perfectly. And, and to have that level of battle for the entire length of the game, then it wasn't always even it wasn't always uh, one team ahead. But you were able to say what like just what a battle when it was all said and done. Yeah, and that's kind of the amazing thing. You're speaking more theoretically about football, about this sport, is that you can look at it like, you know, a great example of mine, and we're getting a little far afield, is that, you know, that long touchdown drive that Michigan State had against Iowa in the Big Ten championship game. Yep. You know, a 22 play drive, and you look at that drive, and it's not like Iowa's defense did anything wrong. I mean, every single play, there was like one, two, maybe even three defenders either in the vicinity of the running back or covering the, the eventual route receiver down the throw. I mean, even the touchdown run, the running back, O.J. Scott, could hit at the line of scrimmage, bounced off another tackle, had to go through three defenders at the line of scrimmage, just extend the ball across the goal line. Football is a tough game. And when you have guys at the NFL level who are the best in the world at what they do, fighting for that six inches in front of their face, you're going to get games like this that come down to the final play, even when it doesn't look like it's going to be, even be a close game in the first half. So No, it was it's, it's unbelievable to be able to see that level of competition here. And this is, we talked all last week, we said, look, this is the best weekend of football of the year. And pretty much to a game. I mean, you can say that there were some weak points in a couple parts of Kansas City, New England. Pittsburgh, Denver had some cases where you didn't have the best football played necessarily. But you just had a weekend where every game had some... Just the, the compete level that you had there was just off the charts. It was, it was unbelievable to watch as a fan. Yeah, I mean, every game came down to a one-possession game. We had, you know, two games that ended in onside kicks. You know, we had a game go to overtime. It was just, you know, a really impressive weekend of football. And, you know, looking forward, we've got – we're obviously going to get into it more in depth as this week goes on. But I think we've got, you know, the four best teams left, you and, know, when it's all said and done. Well, and, and even just looking at this from the perspective of just overall standings, okay? You take a look at conference standings here, and, yeah, you don't have the Bengals, but I think the Bengals, a lot of people in the AFC never really, you know, Put them at that elite level. You've got essentially the two best teams in each conference getting through to really the, the conference finals here, 
And yeah. that doesn't happen often. You know, we've we've talked a lot about how wild card winners have made the Super Bowl recently and how we've seen a lot more parity in the NFL. You've got arguably the four best teams in football stacked up for another great weekend here. Yeah. And w- what's great is, you know, if you look at this NFC matchup, I think you look at Cam Newton, you look at Carson Palmer, one of those guys is going to the Super Bowl now. And I mean, you know, putting like our own personal rooting allegiances aside, like those are two great stories in and of themselves. I'll, well, I'll tell you what, though, we talk about, you know, the, the battles that we've seen here. And there's one battle to me that stands out that I would love to see if you get to a Super Bowl. And that's Rob Gronkowski against Luke Keekley. Oh, because you talk about you're talking about two guys who are big, who are fast, who are the best at what they do. They're pretty much, you know, you look at them and say, look, on defense, there's no one who can single cover Gronkowski. Typically on offense, there's you know, no one player that's able to negate all of Keekly's strengths. But you got the two of them potentially going up against each other. <laughs> look out. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's exciting just to think about that when you go out there. Or you say, okay, if we're looking at potentially an Arizona-Denver game, now you're talking about, okay, you've got Carson Palmer and Peyton Manning, two 35-plus-year-old quarterbacks going at it. What, you know, what comes out of this? I mean, there's, there's so much that, that you can look at when you look forward to that Super Bowl. And the best part, we got all week to talk about it now. we got all week to talk about it, my friend. It's going to be a good one. We got all week. We are unfortunately out of time for the day, though. But, Mark, we are uh, we got a full week scheduled. I know we have uh, a couple great guests coming on our regular full-length podcast on Wednesday. And then we're going to grab a couple more for uh, later in the week, too. Yeah, we're going to cover this from all angles and, you know, try to bring in the, you know, the best and the brightest to talk about it. So it should be a really fun week. And then, hey, you know, after this, we get a week off. Of what, what are we doing next week, Chuck? Uh, next week, we're going to be doing a little bit. We're going to start digging into the draft a little bit, get a little bit of senior bowl coverage from down in Mobile and also start uh, start laying the foundation, I think, for a lot of the draft work we're going to be doing at Inside the Pylon. Man, football never ends. 365, man. It is all year round, but we are out of time for the day. Make sure you stick around with us all week. We do have a jammed week to get you up to speed for the championship round games. Mark Schofield and Chuck Zada, we'll see you tomorrow.